Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is your host, Elena, and we have Justin. We're super excited to hop into another Q&A episode with you today after recording solo for a few episodes. I'm excited to have someone to bounce some ideas off of. So thanks, Justin, for being on with us today. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the question before you introduce yourself. Uh, What is the importance of learning from other people's mistakes as a leader? Thank you, Elena. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I am doing great. Just living the dream. <laughs> and, and what's the dream? Well, I went to the gym today for the first time in many, many months. So that gave me like a positive start to the day, gave me some good endorphins going. So, so I'm having a good day. There you go. I don't know. Obviously, we'll never know. Obviously, it's biologically impossible, I would say, unless I strap a ball to myself. But is it hard to work out with being pregnant? It's definitely different. I've worked out pretty much every day for six years until I got pregnant. Um, I was one of those people that was like, oh, when I have kids, I'm going to eat so healthy and I'm still going to work out. And I'm still going to live this lifestyle. And then like six weeks into my pregnancy, I was hit with the worst wall of sickness, not just morning sickness, like all day. So life had to humble me a little bit. Um, so I didn't work out for like the first four and a half months. And ever since then, I feel like every time I try to get in a good routine, I was just talking about this on my Instagram story today. Every time I try to get into a good routine with exercising and like working out again, um, and obviously you can't do the same intensity of workouts that you can when you're not pregnant, but I feel like something always comes up and something happens. It kind of knocks me off course. Like either I'll get sick again or something will happen or we'll have a trip or something. So I feel like I've had a hard time getting in a routine. So today was my first time in the gym in a while. And I will say it's easier to work out at the gym than it is to work out at home because I think being back in that environment. I think the environment where you work out is really important. And I love home workouts and I have done home workouts for a lot of my life, but something about going in the gym today really helped me feel more motivated. You do get short of breath quicker because you have like a basketball or a watermelon strapped to your body. Uh, So you get short of breath a little bit quicker, but I don't know, just the energy of being in the gym, getting a good workout in, feeling like you're doing something good for your health and for your body is really empowering. So I would say, yes, it's a little harder when you're pregnant physically, because you can't breathe as great. And you also have, you know, an extra 30 or so pounds attached to your body, but, um, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. So hopefully I can get back in a good routine and hopefully 
nothing will come up that will prevent me from going back tomorrow. Um, at least three to four days a week is, is my goal. So I'm not trying to be too outrageous with my goals here, but three to four days a week, you can hold me accountable when we do the podcast and check in on it because I'm hoping I can have that discipline to make it happen. That is, I can't imagine. I mean, so what kind of exercise are you doing at the gym? Are you actually walking on the treadmill and stuff or doing some lightweight movement? I mean, I don't know what I would do if I had the obstacle, another human <laughs> strapped yeah, to me. It's, and, and it's different. I, so yeah. b- before being pregnant, I was very big into hit training, like high intensity interval training for those who don't know what that means. And, um, like heavy lifting and doing like the squats and all that with like heavy weights. So now that I'm kind of not only out of shape a little bit, because I would say it's probably been five to six months of not really working out and maintaining my muscle mass and things, but where was I going with this? This is my pregnant brain. Oh, so today, yes, I have been walking. We have a a park by our house. I've talked about this on the podcast before we have a park right next to our house. And it's about three miles long and it's kind of hilly up and down. So I'll take the dogs. We have two dogs. They're big. Um, I'll take them there. And that's a pretty intense workout walking three miles with two really heavy dogs pulling you. So I do still have some endurance going on, but today I did the treadmill, like I'm trying to keep my cardio up and they say doing squats and any exercises that engages like your thighs and like your lower body is really important towards the end of pregnancy. So I'm willing to do anything that's going to make the end of bringing this baby into the world easier. (laughs) So trying to do squats with light weights, doing some arms with light weights, things like that. So a lot of things I, it's just, I don't know, it's a sense of normalcy for me fitness isn't just something that I like to do because, Oh, it makes you look good. Or it makes you look strong. It's really been a part of my life for so many years. And I feel like discipline itself, you can really see somebody's discipline through their fitness and their wellness routine in general, how they eat, um, how they care about their sleep schedule, how they exercise and move their body. So it's not all about always being intense, it's really humbling to, you know, be pregnant. And even when you're sick, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that whenever you're sick or feeling under the weather or just having like a crappy week and you don't feel like getting up in the morning to go work out. It's, it's a humbling experience to just not only focus on, Oh, I want to grow my muscles or I want to meet this goal or I want to lose 10 pounds or whatnot, but really just focusing on getting active, moving your body and doing it for your health purposes. So that's been like a really humbling experience. And I think something that we can all be reminded of, um, very unrelated to the topic of this episode, but that's my little soapbox moment for all of you out there who might need to get back into a routine. I think, um, I think the important part is Elaine, I think that we all have rocks and as humans, it's important for us to have habits. And if it's a good habit where our brain can actually go into almost cruise control and we can do it every day and it helps benefit us, then it's better because our brain does want the past the least resistance, which is usually a habit, but it's more comfortable with a habit, you know? So if you can sort of trick it into doing that, like you have, especially at a young age, I think it's important. It brings a lot of stability to your life when you need it. Um, a lot of grounding, you know, especially since previous generations, um, as we moved into white collar work and you know, blue collar work, which was standing on your feet, but not a lot of mobility. The 
the thing that the human, I mean, we weren't moving the same way. We don't move the same way. So making sure you get that movement in every day and having that routine versus routine of coming home and watching the same TV show or routine of going to eat the same fast food every day for lunch or whatever, the more you can replace them. This is not new. We're just talking about something that's been going on, but the more you have that stuff, you know, I use 75 hard now, which was, it's just exercise times four more things um, to stabilize myself. But I think you're probably the same way. I know you read a lot. I know you have your routines with a dog every day and walking. And there's a lot of things that you do um, to balance yourself, even amongst all the things that you were talking about. Um, so I think that that the core of all of it is that balance and, and the things that we're talking about, at least for me, I can't speak for you, but knowing you as long as I have and, uh, and on the podcast, and I've seen really individuals in my life who pregnancies or men or, or women that have their, this consistency in their life or have fitness as a way to do with stress in life and, and whatever, um, generally you end up more successful, your relationships deeper, so on and so forth. And then to Elena's point is it's refreshing and you're revived and it gives you purpose again and, you know, sort of gives you a routine. So let's do that. The question again, let's repeat it for the audience, just so everyone knows Elena. The question was, what is the importance of learning from other people's mistakes as a leader? All right. What do you think about that one? I mean, how, I mean, I think often we talk about learning from our own mistakes, but do we really talk about learning from someone else's mistakes? I think when you're learning from other people's mistakes, um, I think there's a lot of different individuals that you can learn from, right? You can learn from your parents' mistakes. You can learn from, you know, your managers, your team members' mistakes, your friends' mistakes, even people you don't know, celebrities, people on TV, people that you've, you'll never meet. You can learn from so many other people's mistakes. And I think the importance of learning from other people's mistakes is it prevents you from having to overcome the same challenges that those people or those individuals had to face. Um, I will say, you know, we kind of have shared before, like you were saying the importance of learning from your own mistakes, um, which when you're learning from your own mistakes, you've usually already faced those consequences or whatever failures resulted from your actions. But when you're learning from other people's mistakes, you can kind of still have the same learning experience to some degree without having to go through the pain or the hardship or the failure of other people. So I feel like we're always learning from other people's mistakes, because if you were to start a business and you research, you know, how to start a business, whoever is giving that information out probably started a business and failed doing X, Y, Z, you know, whether it's registering the business or anything about the finances, anyone who's advising you to do something probably learned either from failing themselves or learning from someone else's failures who did it the wrong way. That's really the only way we can learn to do things the right way. So I think that's the importance of it is you can really prevent yourself from having to overcome the same challenges other people have already had to face. I don't know if you want to play off of that. Yeah, no. And I think it's about obviously seeking out mentor coaching. And I think that's a lot of it. And I agree with you. I think um, other people are trying to tell you stuff and try to give you guidance. And sometimes it's from a fear-based and 
you want to listen to it as guidance. You may not necessarily want to stop something, but I agree with you. I think that that experience is valuable. I think it's also an interesting thing because um, in a way you're critiquing other people, but in another way you're being hyper aware of yourself by analyzing how you want to lead versus that, what type of person am I and how can I lead and better so I don't do that? If it's we're talking about leadership or modeling or whatever, or being a good human or management. And going from there and building like your character, right? So what is what kind of character are we building from there? And how do I put it? So if we're going to learn from other people and we're going to try to build a character for ourselves and a leadership style for ourselves and learn from others, it means that we have to be aware. We have to be hyper aware. And like, you know, some people are more hyper aware of their surroundings than others. Some people are more introverted than others um some people come by it honestly some people come by it from trauma of some sort or trauma in their childhood um for me um i am very hyper aware of my surroundings always no matter if i'm in a country or in country if i'm in a grocery store um i don't know why it's just always the way i've been and i traveled a lot as a young kid playing soccer and stuff like that and even you know, spent lots of time in Europe as a young kid um, without my parents and stuff like that. So that was part of it. I also think that having the family or the trauma that I did um, related to a relative at such a young age made me suspicious of everyone um, that they were going to try to take advantage of me. Um, now it wasn't that and and let people take advantage of me for a long time. But I had to learn. And the thing was, is about that, like let's talk about getting taken advantage of in the way that I did or what happened to me and and what why it happened. And so really, no matter what happened to me, and I don't, it, there were details are really whatever, but how I learned it and how I saw was I heard other people's stories. I heard how they went through it. I heard the things that, that were holding them back and what they had to go through to get over it and how it made them a better person. And they were leading in a way and blazing trails of not letting the things that happened to them as a kid, uh, similar to me, um, affect them. You can listen to it in episode 12 if anyone's like, oh, what is he talking about? Um, I don't want to repeat it. But the thing is, is I learned from other people how to cope, how to use it as a superpower, how to make it a purpose and, you know, as part of the overall goal to um, give human voices that don't have any or mistreated or the broken, the beaten and the damned, you know, making sure that they're no longer victims, that it's their superpower, just like it was for me. And so, but I learned it from other people. Um, I've learned other people's mistakes. I've learned from other people's good. So mistakes is in the title of this podcast, I believe. What you just said is how, how do you uh, learn from other people's mistakes as a leader? Yes. But it's also the other side. So 
that being said is how do we, you know, how are we self-aware enough and aware enough of our surroundings to start to see that the way people are acting in it. And here's the problem is in a way you're starting to be critical. Okay. And in doing that, you're drawing a very hard border that you have to be very careful how it comes outward. Because while you're doing this as a practice, as a leader, you're being critical and you don't want people to feel you're criticizing them. And so while you're doing it, you have to then also love the people enough and unconditionally love them to help them grow, but not also push these criticisms on them. You know, you still have to love them and that's something you're doing for your growth, but it's not necessarily something they want and not something necessarily they're looking for, for their growth. And so that's a, a weird thing that I'm talking about. And it, it's a very delicate way you walk through that path. And I know boundaries and all that. And we're talking about, and you need to be able to build them, but you also need to be able to not have your own and be able to break your own or get through your own boundaries to grow. And you also need to help other people grow their boundaries. That's not your responsibility, but in a way in doing that is exactly what we're talking about here is just, you know, what can I do? I can just listen. I can lead better. And if they're actually doing something that I think is wrong. All I can do is learn from it and do better myself and hope that I lead by example and an open heart enough way that what I'm doing, they're like, Oh, how is that doing? How did you do that? Is that contagious? And maybe then I can help them when they ask for help. But if I'm going to just push it on someone or they don't ask for advice, it's really not for me to be critical of them. I would say that's a safe way of exploring this and getting through this little obstacle here that we're talking about when I'm talking about being literally critical of the world and the people in it, but also then having the emotional intelligence and the strongness and the understanding that as a human and a leader, you need to be loving to everyone unconditionally. And just because you're growing doesn't mean someone else is, or you need to force them to grow. If they didn't ask for help or advice or your opinion, don't give it. And certainly don't be critical of the way they're doing it. If you want them to do better, just start doing it yourself and hope it gets contagious and that they too see that there's a problem in the behavior and they can do better if there's really a problem in the behavior or the pattern. So, I mean, that's my, that's sort of my beginning thoughts, Elaine, on the topic. What are your, what are your thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think too, it's not in the question, but learning just from your own mistakes is important and could be a whole separate episode. But I think just having those experiences and really looking to other people um, who are open and honest with sharing their mistakes. And I think sharing your mistakes and the things that you wish you had done differently as a leader is really important because I think it makes you more transparent and relatable when people realize, you know, oh, this is my mentor or, you know, my role model. And they don't have it all together either because no one really does, no matter how much they try to make it look like they do. It's always about, you know, learning from the process and going through the experiences and learning from them. And I think that's just a good reminder for people who want to be leaders and want to aspire to have teams and larger, you know, companies or brands or whatnot, or even just in your personal life, you want to be thought of as a leader is being open about 
your own mistakes and the things that you wish you had done differently and, and those kinds of things. Um, I think that makes you more relatable and, and more approachable by people maybe on your team and, and people that look to you, whether that's on social media or wherever those people may come from. Um, I just think that that's an important fact too. Yeah, I think that that's exactly um, the connection there, Elena, which is that if I'm going, if I'm thinking this way and I'm trying to be self-aware and learn myself, I should let other people learn also from my own mistakes. And I mean, honestly, I've been in business, like I've been an entrepreneur since I can remember, since I started mowing lawns and I've been in you know, with the farm and running businesses with my parents or their businesses for my a long time and been in business with my father for 24 years. But you're exactly right. It's um, it's our ability to admit our mistakes and put it outward. And I can tell you, I'll say it outwardly, you know, um, there's been generations that don't think that you should have admitted your mistakes and it was weak leadership and um, things like that. And you know, um, one of the hard parts about leaders or people that have been doing it or even older leadership styles, especially if they continue on, and I, I'm talking from personal experience, is that um, they don't grow. When you have a more fixed mindset in the way you have leadership or it's um, I know, and because I have experience, not because I'm also being educated or learning or exposure um, to other things, it makes it very hard for a leader um, to not make mistakes. And then the more mistakes they make in a fixed mindset, the less they're willing to make, m- admit the mistakes or the more they blame other people. And so that's a very dangerous path. And I think that um, one of the things we have to really learn from is, and it's sad to say, is what are the generations before us making the mistakes? Because we always criticize or look back and these generations should be doing this better. And if they just did what and that, but it's really, how do we fix what's fix loose term? How do we grow from the, um, bad experiences of the past, you know, learn now and become better leaders to the future. And it's not about fixing or having them do something differently. I think that we, we get in this mindset where we have these dreams of our kids and we think they should be certain people or we had them and envision them to be a certain way. But the reality is, is we should be a part of whatever it is they're growing. And the family legacy goes in multiple directions. I can be an entrepreneur, but I can also be an entrepreneur in what they're planning in their life. And I also can be active or a leader in their community. And I think a lot of parents do that in sports and stuff like that. Do not get me wrong, but it goes to more than that. And so how do, how do we learn? I think we learn from our parents' mistakes. We are realistic about our family patterns that are, are bad and we put in the time to do it. Shit. I mean, I just, you know, you, I went to Mexico and I came back a different person, quarantine, isolation, time to think, read, you know, process all the therapy I've been through over the years, like 
in a different situation. And, um, and that's not saying I'm crazy. That's saying that I purposely go because I want to be a better leader and I need, um, unbiased people to help me that are not in the business or not my family also get through my thoughts to give me comfort and confidence in what I'm doing and help thought check me, um, in a safe place. And it's important. And like I said, I just had something where shit, 42 years, there's a family pattern that's been bumping into me, causing me a problem. And I'm just like, Holy crap. Like, it's so obvious. How did I not see this all this time? And when you uncap that, the problem, unfortunately, is there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of um, hardship, like, oh, my parents and then whatever, especially for me, I've been in business with my parents. My relationship's atypical. Um, I spend way more time with them than normal and Deborah and and everything else. My family's in the businesses. So. Um, when something that like that happens, that's not only affected your life as a child, but also in business and your relationships and stuff like that, it can be hard. But to imagine that I would continue on possibly another 42 years like that with making these same mistakes or hurting people unintentionally, possibly because of a family pattern. Um, it is what it is, you know, and then there's always everyone always says I make a mistake when we've talked about vulnerability, but that's one of those things where once I go, don't do vulnerability. It just comes back and bite you. Yes, it does. Believe me. I have stuff by people that are friends or clients. I listen to the podcast and whatever. And there's a disagreement over something like Russia, Ukraine war, like having an intellectual conversation. And, um, not like we agree what side is right. It's just over the dynamics by which we be reacting as the United States. It gets very personal very quickly and someone attacks me with something vulnerable I said on the podcast. So on one hand, I could get upset. On the other, I'm like, well, at least someone's freaking listening. But it's just people are going to be people and they're going to do stuff personally. And when you learn from other people's mistakes and try to do better and you accidentally offset people or hurt them or start doing better you also make them fear their or face their own mistakes or their own shortcomings and they can take it out on you so i think there's a lot of things by learning from other people it's just because you're learning from them doesn't mean you should educate them on being better um it's just it has to be the person's own will has to be my own will. It had to be me t- doing the work myself to realize the problem. No one can point it out for me or a bad family pattern or whatever. When you grow up in it for 42 years, you're not going to recognize a difference. And um, there's going to be tears. And like I said, especially when we realize we're making the same mistakes or we're in business and we've been making the same mistake for a long time and, and we're upset and how many people we've heard. Yeah. For me, there were tears. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to be viewed as a person that did things wrong. And I know they're gross spurts, but that's hard for me as a leader, for sure. Um, The other thing I will say um, is I think we are still in a world where we have the ability to look back in history to look back over what we did during COVID or during financial crises or 9-11, I'm 9-11, yeah, 9-11, 2001, 
um, at least in my lifetime and other financial crises that we've had to do a better job or not let greed allow us to make the same mistakes or um, really see the problems at hand. Um, and we are so quick to change our mind onto the next thing. We don't look at it. We don't often, I'm not saying to go backwards. We need to grow and we need to move forward. And we always need to have a goal and a vision and we don't need to live in the past, but we do need to assess why mistakes are made and what happens. If we don't do them again, both as a human, as a business, as a community, as a government, as history. And when we continue to do that and we don't learn from the mistakes of the past, we're not intentional with it from learning the mistakes of other people or people of the past or leaders of the past, um, business people of the past. Uh, we do a great disservice to the world, to the future generations, especially and generations of the past. They wrote it all down for us. They've told stories about it. If we don't learn from it, shame on us, really. And it's all there. And that's an interesting thing about the, the human species. Um, or, you know, we have so much available to us and we could learn so much. Um, yet we are quick to jump and we are quick to do things and we get in very large groups and trend things galore and jump on trends and um, a lot of lack of independent thought in those ways when we don't even realize that our habits just to follow the group. Um, that's really what's going on in that consumerism. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, so what are the mistakes we've made because we just follow? What are the mistakes that we've made to society? What are the mistakes we've done to treat people a certain way? You know, like there's a lot of mistakes in business since COVID exposed food service partners included um we made a lot of mistakes it's cost us business it um we've had clients that we've done major amount of business for um went through covid went to the front lines put our the employees volunteered to put themselves at risk they went into the hospitals we've done everything we could for them Yet at the end of the day, it wasn't enough now, even after all that, they want to go with a foreign company, you know, so there, we could have done a better job. We obviously made mistakes, um, still to be treated that way after 24 years, eh, it's here nor there, but things change, people change, companies change, um, they don't really stick up to their ethos, you know, so as an entrepreneur, there are a lot of companies right now, particularly in healthcare and hospitals and long-term care homes that have an ethos or have beliefs or said they were going to do things and put their foot in their mouth. But again, we forget about it or it's the next trend or whatever. What have those businesses really done? Have they stuck to their ethos over a long time? And if they haven't, have they improved upon it? Because if they're going backwards in their subcontracts and the way they treat humans or animals or the planet um, or protect national security in terms of food, depending on what country you're in, I'm not so sure we're doing the right thing. And history would tell us that here's why. When I was going to college from 1998 to 2002, 
2003-ish. Undergraduate, every school in America was teaching about how we need to be in business with Russia, Brazil, India, and China. Seriously, invest, go there, turn your business over there, outsource, outsource, outsource. The world is flat now. Why do in America what we can do overseas for cheaper? Why drill? We can drill other places. Environment, 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 and do business with Brazil, Russia, India, China. Well, we know, we talk about all the time, majority of our seafood now comes from China. We now have vegetables coming from China, not Mexico and Canada, which are right here, even with NAFTA, not even the United States. And so that all being said, are we learning from our mistakes from 20 years ago? That was 20 years ago, right? We have many, many, many corporations, including big ones like Disney and Coca-Cola that are all ingrained in these major countries because they have huge populations. And it doesn't matter what beliefs they have or the way their human rights policies or the way they treat American companies. It just matters that we can make money off it and bring it home to our shareholders. Cool. At what cost? At what damage? At what do we give up? And how many times in history has this been done? And whether we're talking about the opium wars or whatever, there are legacies and 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 civilizations and countries that are a lot older than the western world and they know how to do this way better than we do as a human species so economically and getting control of food and the systems that everyone eats and roads and trade routes and trade systems this is not the first time it's been done. No reason that if you look at Great Britain and you look at the Commonwealth of states that's still semi-represented, they're mostly islands strategically placed all over the world. One for commerce, two for military. It's important. It's why Great Britain is still such an economic powerhouse, even though it's these small little countries, population-wise. China's just doing it with over a billion people. India is doing with over a billion people. Brazil's doing it with a growing rapid population of almost, I don't even know. I haven't looked it up, so I won't guess. So I just think that we really have to take time and ask, if we're talking about learning lessons from the past, it's not only in our individual life and it's not only how to make money, it's what have we done as businesses, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, as politicians, as teachers to put us where we are right now. And I'm not talking about being discriminatory against someone for being from China or Brazil or India or wherever. Russia. What I'm talking about is it's okay to not do business with someone because they don't believe in the same ideals as you do. You have a choice, but because we in Western worlds in particular believe it should be a free market for all, 
it is for all. It's just not for us everywhere else, but it is for everyone here. And maybe that turns our economy and maybe we turn things. But I would say we are consuming a lot of stuff. And eventually, where's the United States going to do with all the stuff we consume that's produced everywhere else? So I think that we have to be very careful about this mistake. And if you're talking about the mistakes that we've just made in the last 22 years, we had every academia across the country telling us to do business with Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Great. I bet a lot of companies made shit tons of money. People made shit tons of money for 20 years. Great. We did financially great. It's important. I agree. What did it cause the damage for our legacy? Maybe it's financially better. But what is it environmental? What is it for our society? What's it for free thinking? What's it for freedom, liberty? What about the other things? Do we even care about that anymore? Because the freedom to make a dollar isn't the same in the Western world as it is in the countries that we're saying to go make money in. And we're so, without exposure, we're so in tune to, especially in the United States, only seeing one culture um, over a vast country that we don't realize that there's tons of traditions and cultures that are very different than ours. And most individuals around the world think nothing like us. They may seem like us in an interaction. We may all say hello. We may all be friendly. We all may be innately human, but we all have different ideals, the way we see each other. What do we want from each other? Um, where we are in terms of our, is, it, is life about exploitation? Is life about regeneration? Is life about whatever consuming? You know, we differ greatly in that just as culture to culture. So learning from our mistakes, I think, is, is that as well in the way we vote, in the way we, we see our lives. And I really, I don't know. It just happens to me naturally. It's just the way I am. I think very deeply about things. Even as I sleep at night, they're in my head. So I just, um, my brain just developed that way after training it and constantly doing it and doing it purposefully to solve problems and running businesses. So it's not something that I was just born with. Um, and like I said, I had some negative things happen to me as a kid that helped me be more hyper aware um, and probably made me care most than, than most individuals about tracking dollars and not being taken advantage of and making sure we bill everything and everything we do we're paid for and, and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, again, those are all habits I learned. It, they aren't things I was born with. And while situations created them, they were still created in life after I was born. So anyone that's listening in the audience, I don't care who it is. You can create the good habits and learn from other people's mistakes. It just has to be the willingness to do it over time and to really take this full circle to Elena's exercising at the beginning of the podcast, that same habit of going every day or out at home every day or going four days a week or whatever you're building, that habit, need, need those habits need to stay in place for long periods of time, even if Elena is taking off seven months or whatever it's been, not that long, but whatever it's been, she still has the habit echoing in her head long enough to know that she should go back and do it. And so it's the same with these mistakes. If you're seeing them create habits to conquer them, so you don't have them. 
and you don't always know if you have them or not. You may just see them in other people. And it's a pretty good idea to make sure you don't have them because like I said, 42 is late, two years later, you can still have your eyes being opened. It happens. So thank you everyone for listening in. And I'll let Elena close out her thoughts and take us home. Well, thank you all for listening in with us. And we would love to hear back from you about what you thought of this episode or the topics that we talked about. And we would love to dive into any other questions that you may have for us. You can submit them to us on email or on Instagram at Centurion Leadership Battalion. Uh, You can also follow Justin or myself's personal Instagram, which we have mentioned, or we will link below, but we'd love to connect with you. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review for us if you are able to, so that we can hear what you're loving about the podcast and we really appreciate it. So thank you all for listening and thanks Justin for being on with us. Thank you everyone. Enjoy your day and thank you for all the support and all the downloads. It's awesome.